It was a Sunday morning, the 3rd of December, 2017. I was playing the back nine at Eagle Creek Golf Course alone. The air was heavy with wildfire smoke from the Eagle Creek fire in the Columbia River Gorge caused by fireworks. I was on the 13th hole bordering Bonnie Lure State Park in Clackamas County, Oregon. My drive hit a tall Douglas fir tree about 30 feet up dead center. It made a classic wood knock sound. I regularly look for lost golf balls and often take a look over the cliff to the right side of the green. As I stepped up to the edge I heard a grunt and a loud wood knock followed by a loud howl. I could feel the vibration in my chest. It started with an ape-like O sound and rose in pitch and volume. Immediately afterward a pack of coyotes started howling. I ran back to my bag for my phone, but it was too late. Everything went silent. I did take some videos and still shots, but never saw anything. As I approached the 14th tee, three deer were flushed from down below onto the course. No other witnesses, unfortunately. I believe there was a group of Bigfoot seeking shelter from the fire. If you look on Google Maps you will see how this would be a likely place to hide. My grandfather grew up in the small town of Sasakwa, Oklahoma. Rather, he grew up near it. He and his siblings and parents lived in a large log and concrete cabin deep in the woods. My grandfather's father had built this in the 1950s. As my grandfather has told me many times, this area is full of hauntings and cryptids. It's almost absurd just how many areas are known to be haunted to this day. I will focus on one particular tale he has told me, as I feel it is the most cryptid-ish. When my grandfather was a teenager, he worked with a group of Seminole on a local construction site. One day, they went out walking to a site and came to a house. On the front porch sat an elderly Seminole woman, rocking back and forth in a rocking chair. My grandfather met her eyes and felt compelled to look away. Having fallen behind the rest of the group, he realized that they were all staring at the ground, avoiding the gaze of this woman. The chatter had fallen silent and remained so for nearly half an hour. When they arrived at the site, he went up to the site manager and asked why they had all ignored the elderly woman. The site manager's face scrunched up and he stood. He locked the door then spoke quietly. He explained to my grandfather that the woman was known to be a stakini. Now, my grandfather himself made sure that the doors to the house were locked when he explained the stakini to me. They are witches of the Seminole tribe. When the moon is full, they go out into the woods and vomit their organs up, stringing them in the trees to keep them clean. They no longer seem human, but appear as four feet tall owls creatures, with no weight to their body. They then go out and attack as they please, so long as the full moon dominates the sky. The Stakini cannot be killed in this form, you must instead destroy their organs. My grandfather never again saw the woman, making an effort to avoid the route that passed by her house. Whether she was truly a Stakini or not is unclear, as she has presumably died since the incident. After I was told this story, I made sure to lock the doors. Even now that I'm in a different state, I make effort to not speak that word in public, 
and to always keep doors and windows locked at night. If anyone has heard other stories of these Stakini, or have seen them, I would be interested in hearing it. I was driving alone in a national park, very far from people, on a bright full moon night. Huge clear moon, the kind of moonlight you can read by. The road went straight along the bottom of a wide, flat, mostly barren valley, then banked up and sharply left, onto the ridge. It was about 10 p.m., and I drove through the valley on full alert, watching for animals and loving the scenery in the crazy bright moonlight. When I hit the curve and went into that sharp uphill left, I saw something through my side window. White thing. It was rapidly getting larger in my peripheral vision, as though it had been moving parallel to me, but the turn in the road meant I was now in its path. So I turned my head and looked directly. It was white. Man-shaped but without genitals, and naked. A deathly, nauseating white with a greasy shine, completely hairless. It was crawling, on its hands and knees, but it was half the size of the car, and it was coming so very, very fast. It had a rubbery face, distorted by hate or a scream, black eyes that reflected the moonlight. The look on its face, I can't even tell you, I can still make myself feel sick from the memory. I believe that it was intelligent, and that it wanted to tear me apart with its teeth. The speed was horrifying, it went from being a small white spot to spitting distance in the time it took to make that turn. When I unfroze myself and hit the gas, it was on the road, and I braced for it to run into my car door. And then it was gone. The rearview mirror showed me nothing. I have never told anybody. I have seen a few minor glitchy slash ghosty things over my many years, but nothing has ever frightened me like that. It was looking at me. And I don't know what it was. I can't seem to find any reference to anything like it, and I would like to know if this thing is known to folklore. If another subreddit would be better to ask, just say. Thanks. Edit, thank you all for the replies so far. I looked into the Skinwalker and Wendigo ideas, and it's a case of almost but not quite. Are Skinwalkers ever seen without skins? Then maybe. Can Wendigos be stocky instead of skinny? Then maybe. I am most intrigued by the Massachusetts story. Also, while I describe it as screaming, that's just the look on its face. I heard nothing. This happened in Newfoundland. Newfoundlanders have no trouble telling ghost stories, and a lot of them believe in fairies, but I've not heard of a creature like this. As for the bear idea, Newfoundland has only black bears, hell I even tried to tell myself it was a badly lost wet polar bear, but when I say the thing was crawling, I mean I could see its legs below the knee. I was very close to it by the end, and it looked like a crawling man. I spent a lot of time in that area, and encouraged storytelling in the bar, but nothing like this ever got mentioned. But as I said, I never told this story either. The degree of fear involved somehow put it in its own category. As if it would be very, very bad luck to speak of it, because it had seen me too. I never thought I believed in them, but I think it was a demon.
I'm a 62-year-old man who has seen lots of things in my life. My mother and my grandmother were Cree natives. My mother told me one day a story from her grandmother about the Wendigo and how it related to our people. She would always warn me to beware of the Wendigo. I joined the Canadian Armed Forces when I came of age. My folks drove me to the gate to walk into my new life. My mom told me, I am proud of you my son. I'm sure you will do well. Just be careful when you are out in the wild. Watch for the Wendigo. After my basic training, I was sent on a tradesman course and then to my first post. I was assigned to the Special Service Forces in Petawawa, Ontario as a communication specialist since my job included fixing telecommunication equipment. I had a top secret security clearance. We trained hard when I was there and I was ready to go head to head with whatever enemy I would encounter in my missions. One day in December we were transported via helicopter on a mountaintop close to Algonquin Provincial Park for a week of winter warfare courses. During this week of training, we each had to do guard duty at night. On one of those nights at around 2 a.m., I started hearing strange voices down the mountain. That night the temperature was around minus 30 degrees Fahrenheit. At first, I checked to see that everyone was sleeping in their tents. They were all accounted for. I scanned the area to see if I could locate someone. There was nobody there at least no one that I could see with my military issue flashlight. I continued hearing those voices for a while. So I decided to call out to whoever was there. Hello. Who goes there? You're on a Canadian Armed Forces base. Identify yourself. No answer. I kept looking for whatever might be there but I was still hearing those voices that sounded Asian. Some came from the right, others from the left. They seemed like they were having some kind of conversation. Since it was a training and learning exercise we had no ammo in our weapons. Not knowing what to expect I did the second best thing I could do. I fixed the bayonet and kept walking around the camp. The voices stopped after a while. I was wondering who in the right mind would hike into the wilderness for at least 20 miles in such miserable weather just to pull up a prank on us. That week they closed down the base two times because it was so cold. Of course, we stayed on a mountaintop. It was part of the training they said. My replacement came after a while and when he showed up the first thing he asked me was what I was doing with the bayonet on my weapon. I didn't want to say I was hearing voices down below us. I told him it was so cold that I decided to do some drill movements to warm myself up. I don't know if he believed me. The next month there was a huge military exercise in Wainwright, Alberta. The entire brigade ended up there. One day I was going on a call with my partner to do a repair on a piece of equipment that was out in the middle of nowhere. We had been driving for about 45 minutes in deep snow and could not find the equipment. I was driving and decided to stop and check our location to find our target. My partner was looking at a topographical map while I was trying to see if I could locate a reference point. On our right, there was a forested area with pine and underbrush. On the left, there was an open field. At about a hundred feet from the tree line at my ten o'clock position, there was a large white-tailed buck foraging in the snow. 
the deer was facing us and looking out in our direction. Then, out of nowhere, a huge creature blasted out of the tree line and aimed directly toward the grazing deer. It took less time for the beast to cover the approximate 100 feet of the deer than it took for me to tell my partner to look. The beast grabbed the deer by the head. It was taller than the deer by about 2 feet. It was reddish-brown in color with very wide shoulders. The head was pointed and was set on the shoulders without a neck. The arms were long and muscled. The legs were like 55-gallon drums and the body was covered with long hair. I wish I had more time to look at it and get more details but everything went so fast. As soon as the beast reached the deer it placed one hand on the top of the deer's head and the other at the back of the neck, then twisted it like it was a rag. Without even stopping it headed back into the woods with the deer over its shoulder. I put the truck in gear and said, let's get out of here. My partner managed to find the trail leading to our destination and we found the equipment. When we made our way back to the bivouac area my sergeant asked me if everything went okay. I told him I don't know what I saw on our way to the other location but it was pretty freaky. He looked at me and said that he didn't want to hear about it, so I kept it to myself and I walked away. As time went on, and as I grew older, I realized that I had witnessed a Sasquatch harvest that deer. I had a nice career in the army. I did some missions and went on several UN peacekeeping missions throughout the world. I saw a lot of strange animals and witnessed many unusual situations. But that beast in Alberta was the one that I will never forget. I've lived in Idaho all my life and spent a lot of time outside or in the wilderness as a kid. My grandparents would take me camping and my older brother and I would always hike up whatever trail we could find to get a view of the sunset. On one of these occasions, something terrifying happened. We were up at a campsite I only know as Warm River, the river there never freezes over, and my brother and I were on a regular evening hike. There was an old tunnel bored through the mountain at one part of the trail, probably an old train tunnel, and we were walking through it when I heard something I'll never forget. After walking through probably two, third of the way through the tunnel, I heard a terrible screech at the end we entered through. The screech wasn't like anything I'd heard before. I've heard the screams of animals on dark and windy nights. I even think I've heard Bigfoot calls a few times, but never the metallic, grinding screech I heard that day. The point is, whatever the sound was it did not sound natural in any capacity. I probably jumped five feet in the air when I heard it, and my brother shouted a few choice curses before shooing me quickly to the exit of the tunnel. At this point, my brother decided we should just continue walking and head back after whatever made the noise hopefully cleared out. We didn't have any firearms on us, so I was pretty upset. My brother reassured me we would be fine, and we made the walk back without incident. However, I didn't get any sleep that night. Whether it was the thing that screeched at us or just my imagination, I heard things moving around the campsite the whole night, as well as whispers echoing through the darkness outside the trailer. I woke my brother up a few times to check out what it was, but he refused each time, telling me that it was probably just other campers staying up late and enjoying themselves. The rest of the trip was pretty normal. 
We packed up the following day and my life continued as normal. I was disconcerted but chalked what happened up as a harmless event that I must have been exaggerating in retrospect. A few weeks later I went up to Pine Basin, an old ski lodge my family rented each year for family reunions. Here I would mess around with my cousins, our favorite activities being night games. We would play hide and seek, a game called Ghosts in the Graveyard, and other games like that. In one instance, I was chosen to be the seeker for a hide and seek game. Because I was one of the younger cousins, I got a flashlight as an advantage. Normally, all the younger cousins hid close to the lodge and the older cousins hid in the trees or at the base of the nearby mountain. As I was searching near the bottom of the mountain, I heard a familiar whistle up the mountain a bit. We would always whistle as a hint at our locations. It sounded like someone was hiding way up near a tree known as the underwear tree. You can guess why. So I began trekking up toward the whistle. As I climbed closer, I got an uneasy feeling in my stomach. I continued on warily and convinced myself that I would be fine. I hated walking in the night alone but figured whoever I find would walk me back to the lodge. As I neared the tree, I noticed that it was deathly silent. This alerted me that something was very wrong because you could always hear the adults having fun back at the lodge. I was anxious to hurry back, so I called out I found you Scott, I thought the whistle was my older cousins, come back down with me. I got no reply, but I wasn't planning on waiting. As I began walking back down the path, I heard a voice call you almost had me, so I ran back up to investigate. I flashed my light in the branches of the tree and saw a monstrosity that was not my cousin. It looked like a poorly drawn stick figure made into a human with its emaciated figure and lifeless eyes. I remember its face looked like the skin on its head was being pulled from behind. It had torn and stretched features. As soon as I saw the creature I screamed, dropped the flashlight, and ran back to the lodge. The entire time I ran I was overcome by an overpowering smell and I could hear the thing running after me. As I approached the camp I saw a few people, my cousins, at the bottom of the mountain waiting for me. I was crying and shaking and they took me inside. I told my dad what happened but my cousins all said they didn't see anything following me. The adults kept us inside for the night, and I kept hearing sounds drifting in from the mountains. I never played night games after that happened, and was always terrified that my cousins wouldn't listen to my warnings. Ever since that night, I have always felt uneasy up in those mountains. I used to be really religious and figured it was a demon of some kind trying to kill me or something like that but those mountains have never felt the same after that incident. A few years ago the game Until Dawn became really popular and I watched a walkthrough of it on YouTube. When the Wendigo first appeared in the game, I got chills down my spine. It was exactly what I saw, and I did a ton of research on them. I figure someone must have gotten snowed in at that old lodge and resorted to cannibalism, but that doesn't explain what happened at Warm River. I still hear that screech from time to time, it never occurred to me until watching until dawn that they might be from the same thing, and it scares the hell out of me every time. I heard it earlier tonight, and that's why I decided to finally write my story down. When I was 16, 
I went out with my friends Jay and Harley to a large park with a lake and massive grass hills. It was already dark since it was winter, and we sat down to talk after finishing school. We were situated on a hill with a forest to our right and thick grass bushes behind us. While we were chatting, Jay, who was the loud one in our group, started whistling and shouting due to the echo it created. Suddenly, we all heard the same whistle back at us from behind the bushes. We were confused because we knew it couldn't have been the echo. Jay shouted at the sound to provoke it, which frightened me. After a while, something screamed back at us, faint but clear, making my heart drop. Jay then suggested we go investigate and we followed him. As we walked closer to the bushes, we strayed off towards the exit passage, telling him we should leave. However, he claimed to see eyes and something darted at him. We all ran through the passage, and Jay was screaming while me and Harley were in disbelief. Once we reached the road, we looked back and shouted Jay's name. After five minutes, he stumbled out of the darkness and fell to our feet. We walked away from there as fast as we could, not talking about what had happened. The next day, we met up again and found out that Jay was covered in black and yellow bruises. I have no evidence to prove this story, but I wanted to share it nonetheless. So my girlfriend and I spent two years driving around the US and Canada, we are both Australian, our rule was pretty much, find somewhere cool to stop, pull over, relax and enjoy the nature and the freedom of our travels. We never really had any bad times during this whole experience. Except this one time. So we are staying at this little rest area on the coastal border between Oregon and Washington. It was beautiful. Right beside the ocean, sea otters on the rocks, cool sea breeze blowing through our van windows and the sound of chill water lapping against the rocky shore. Very peaceful. We went back into town after the sun had set to grab a pizza or something and returned to a now empty car park. Whatever, we are used to this, not a problem. We were just hanging out, watching shows on my computer ad listening to the chill nothingness outside. It gets to about 10 p.m. and I decide to call it a night. As I am falling asleep my girlfriend looks out the window and now notices a red Uda pickup truck at the furthest end of the car park like 50 meters away. There's a Uda down there she says. I acknowledge this but don't really care haha. It drives away after sitting there for around 10 minutes. Five minutes later it returns but a couple of park spots closer. That cars is back now I am in the edge of sleep, eyes closed, brain now switching off the last switches of awake dumb. All I can muster is a grunt. Ten minutes pass. Car leaves. Car comes back. This time closer again. My girlfriend now wakes me up and explains what is happening. I look through our windows to see a very beaten up red Uda, canopy on the back with completely blacked out windows. Now I'm feeling a little weird. I watch the car sit there, completely still and silent for another 10 minutes before it drives away only to return once again moments later. F, it is now maybe two car spaces away. We are watching this car presumably watching us. 
It is about 11 11 30 on a Wednesday night in a semi-lit car park in a foreign town in a foreign country. Being Australians, this dude probably has a gun exchanges back and forth between my girlfriend and I. This guy had parked so close that as soon as his door would open he would more or less be at our van before we could even get out of our bed, which is built in the back of the van, F this. I get out of my bed and crawl to the driver's seat all while staring at his blacked out almost driverless windows. Get to the driver's seat and got the F out of there. Zoomed across the bridge and slept in the car park of a Fred Meyer. Just the fact that the fella kept parking closer and closer in an otherwise vacant car park. F man. A few weeks ago I hiked up to Lake Serene in Index, Washington. I started late and ended up at the lake around sunset. Seeing the sunset from high up is mesmerizing, I couldn't stop looking at the vivid colors. It was amazing how the purple mountains, the teal sky, and the orange light mixed together. As soon as the sun dropped I realized very suddenly that I had a two-hour hike back to my car. I was prepared for this. I had my headlamp and I had hiked alone at night before. I was okay up higher in the steep terrain but as I got lower and the terrain leveled out and I could hear running water I started to get uncomfortable. This is where the critters would be. As I passed a fairly loud waterfall and rounded a corner my surrounding went from loud white noise to almost complete silence in a few seconds. I felt an intense chill just from the silence, somehow it was better with all the noise. Anyway, almost as soon as I was freaked out by the silence I had something that sounded like a person popping their knuckle. Not a branch cracking, but a knuckle popping. I froze, I was terrified. Then I heard a thud with some decent bass to it and a breathy grunt. Then I heard the leaves rustle. I could hear everything, because I had stepped into a wired silent spot. I was freaking out. I wanted to know where it was so I could maybe freak it out with my headlamp and yelling. I was looking for eyes glowing back at me but I couldn't find anything. It was so much worse not knowing what was making the noise. I got very loud. I blew my emergency whistle a couple of times to scare it away. The worst part was that I still had another hour of walking through the pitch black mountain forest ahead of me. I was full on terrified the whole time. I was clapping and whistling loudly the whole way. If someone had come across me I would have seemed crazy. I had no idea what I ran into, or if it was flowing me the whole time. Sometimes I would stop making noise and I would swear I heard it again, but I never saw its eyes. I've seen some crazy stuff in the mountains but this simple experience of bumping into a creature in the night and not being able to identify it was truly the most terrifying experience of my life. It was Christmas Day, late afternoon. I have a ham in the oven and we were waiting for it to be done. My husband and his dad went to the neighborhood Quick Mart. They were driving home and turned onto our street which is just down the block from a school. They see what they thought was a hang glider landing on the football field. They remember it's Christmas Day and we live in a very suburban neighborhood less than a mile from downtown. Who would be hang gliding on Christmas Day when the area is full of houses, trees, etc.? 
They saw a human figure gliding in the air about 100 yards above the ground and the car was about 30 yards from it. My husband describes it like this. It was light gray as if it is a smooth suit, with no scales or bumps. It seemed to be wearing goggles. He did not see arms. He saw wings behind him, like the ice skater racers in the Olympics, arms close to the body but maneuvering. Its wings were not feathered but does not have any more details. At no time did it unfurl them completely. The thing seemed to realize that it was being watched and it rose and it suddenly changed direction. My husband tried to trail it in the car but it flew away quickly. I admit I have written to in Rice about my account of my encounter with a vampire. I find it interesting that she first wrote Interview with the Vampire in 1973. The book was published in 1976. I didn't read the book until 1980. Upon reading the book I felt she may have met the same person I met in 1973. I have never received a reply from her. I do realize that she probably gets thousands of emails per month on her website. I wrote to her in 2001. I have told my story several times to several different people and always get the same response, one of disbelief. Although my mother and sister sometimes still tease me, asking, do you remember when you dated that vampire? I am now 51 years old. 34 years ago I was 17 and that summer I was working for the U.S. Forest Service as an intern through a government program called the Neighborhood Youth Corps. We planted trees and dug potential fire break lines in the forests of northern Idaho. A firefighting crew came into town midsummer since it was a particularly dry summer and was on stand by just in case they were needed. Among that crew was the most beautiful young man I had ever seen. He had long blonde hair, perfectly symmetrical features. He reminded me of a more refined version of Robert Plant of Led Zeppelin. He was tall and handsome and everything I ever thought I would give up my virginity to. I spent a lot of time just looking at him. He apparently noticed and began talking to me when the crew came into town from their forest stations. He asked me out and I was ecstatic. We met for dinner several times, always late after 10 p.m. He never ate, urging me to order whatever I would like to have and he would have a glass of wine. I never knew how old he was but the drinking age in Idaho at the time was 19. He also had a European accent of some sort. He said he was from Germany. We would part at the restaurant, he never made any attempt to kiss me, which I thought very strange since every other guy I had dated prior was always all over me. One night I suggested we meet at a place very near to my apartment, as I planned to ask him back to my house afterward for whatever. You got it, I wanted him. Fast forward to my apartment. After opening a bottle of wine and chatting he said he wanted to take me into his confidence because he really liked me. He continued to say that he doesn't usually tell anyone the truth about him because it scares people. Okay, I felt the first flash of fear. He then went on to tell me that he was from Germany and was over 400 years old, that he was a vampire. I didn't know what to say. So, I asked, what do you mean? Vampire? 
He said he was from an aristocratic family and was chosen and attacked by a vampire in his family's estate. He was made a vampire by his attacker. By virtue of what he had become he left with this other vampire and traveled all over the world. He came to hate him so much that he branched out on his own in France after many years. I asked him if he drank blood and killed people. He paused and said that yes, sometimes he chose to take a human life. Okay at this point my fear was turning to terror. He was either a psychopath with a really interesting story or he was the real thing and I was about to die either way. I told him he was scaring me. He said he thought he probably would and that was not his intention. It was hard for him to make friends and when he felt he could trust someone he would tell them the truth about himself since his lifestyle was not ordinary and needed the acceptance of what friends he had to maintain a friendship with them. He also told me that he knew I was expecting to have sex with him and that he would agree to that but that sex was really no longer pleasurable to him although he knew it was pleasurable to normals. Okay by this time I was really freaking out and said I think you should leave. I remember he looked really sad. He said of course he would leave but he wanted me to think about being friends with him. I said, I don't think so, you need to leave. He got up slowly and picked up his jacket and reached inside his jacket pocket for a pen and paper. I was really shaking by this time and thought his every move was a ploy to his move to kill me. But he wrote his phone number at the camp on a piece of paper and said, if you change your mind, call me and then he left. When he walked out the door I was trembling so badly I could barely dial the phone. I called my mother to come get me to take me home that night. I told her I just ended a date with a really creepy, scary guy. I paced the floor until she got there listening for any sounds that might indicate that he was breaking into my apartment. I told my parents and they said I did the right thing by calling them. My dad said it's time for you to move out of that apartment and I did. I never called the guy and I never saw him again. His name was Manfred Kirshner. I have never forgotten him. I thought he was a psycho until I read interview by Anne Rice. I have wondered for 28 years now if he is who Rice called Lustat. Believe me or not, there you have it.